Hey, it's Latif from Radio Lab. Our goal with each episode is to make you think, how did I live this long and not know that? Radio Lab, adventures on the edge of what we think we know. Listen wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for being with us today. I'm Todd Zwillick. You know, this week and next, we're looking at the state and the future of the political parties in America. It's Republicans next week. And Republicans, don't forget, we want to hear from you on what you want from your party at 8778-MY-TAKE. But let's now go back to 2015, when Democrats were feeling pretty good. I give you Minnesota Democratic Congressman Keith Ellison on ABC with George Stephanopoulos. All I want to say is that anybody uh, well, from the Democratic side of the fence who, who uh, thinks that, who's, who's terrified of the possibility of, of, of President Trump, better vote, better get active, better get involved, because this man has got some uh, momentum, and uh, we better be ready for the fact that he might be leading the Republican ticket. Next. <laughs> I know you don't believe that, but I want to go on. <laughs> Sorry to laugh. Uh, Sorry to laugh, says New York Times' Maggie Haberman, you hear there. Now, Ellison was sounding the alarm bells for his party, and it's clear now that not enough Democrats were listening. But one election and a vicious Clinton-Sanders primary later, Keith Ellison is now deputy chair of the Democratic National Committee. Progressives under the Bernie banner are fighting it out with establishment Dems inside the DNC right now. And Ellison is one of the standard bearers. He says the way to heal the wounds and appeal to voters is with big economic messages and not just targeted advertisements. My prediction now is that if we get to the doors and engage Americans in a really substantive way, that we will be able to comprise a set of policy prescriptions that will help working and middle and and low-income Americans, and that will directly translate into election success as long as we are faithful to what we learn on the doors. We will win big. Well, I want to talk about how you and the Democratic Party are going to do that, Congressman, because a great weakness of your opponent right now are two things, it seems. One, President Trump is relatively politically weak, but the Republican Party is also sharply divided. But you're divided as well, Democrats. Is it the party of Hillary? Is it the party of Bernie? And these divisions are real. Well, we don't need absolute unanimity on everything. What we need is a basic recognition that this economy isn't working for working people. My position is very simple. We haven't seen this much income and wealth inequality since the Gilded Age. We got to be the party that fights for retirement security. I think we should fight for Medicare for all. I think we should fight for not just a $15 minimum wage, but really strong overtime and the right to organize in a union, and we need to fight for climate change and really build a renewable economy. People believe that, you know, the banks are taking advantage of them, you know, with the whole Wells Fargo scandal. People are sick of that, man. They they are ready for a new kind of message. And what I'm saying is that the Democratic Party has gotten too into the TV, the targeting, the uh, data analytics. It needs to get just back to listening to constituents, and if we do that, we'll win. I'm just going to say, you know, the, the, the last time it really felt like people were into what we were doing is when John Lewis led us to the House floor after the horrific Pulse nightclub shooting. And House Democrats went to the floor and took over the well of the House. I mean, people were really, really excited. Um, and you know why they were excited? Because we were fighting back. They could see us fighting back. It was palpable to them. 
What they want to see us doing is putting forth a Herculean effort on their behalf, right? They want us to stand up to the big banks, stand up to the monopolies. They want us to stand up and, and, and be found fighting on their behalf. You are right. The Democratic Party is having its own contest of ideas. I think the debate is good, and I think it ought to be more public. And I'll tell you why. The people who think that we can win elections on uh, just data analytics and micro-targeting and TV, uh, they're wrong. They should present their views, and I want to present mine, and we'll see who wins. The people who think we don't need to be fighting for Medicare for all, let's have that debate. I would love that debate. We need more debate. If you don't think Medicare for all is right, you stand up and you publicly say you're against it. And I will publicly say why it's the right policy. And then the Democrats across this country will make a choice as to who they want to support. Well, Congressman, that debate is going to happen because Senator Bernie Sanders, as you know, reintroduced his single payer Medicare for all health care bill. And look who rushed to sign on a lot of senators who people view as potential Democratic primary hopefuls. Elizabeth Warren, Kamala Harris. Single payer is probably going to be a litmus test for the Democratic presidential primary in 2020. It seems like you're going to get your wish. Well, it'll be a litmus test before that, because uh, there's about 120 House members who are on it, including me, original co-sponsor. We're going to in 2018, you know, Americans around this country are going to want to know, are you here to just give me more corporate health care to make insurance companies richer and richer? Or are you on my side, us in this neighborhood? That's the real issue. As much as I am 100 percent for the Affordable Care Act, I still believe that there are people who are not insured. There's still people who might face bankruptcy uh, because they got sick. We got to solve this. And I think we've got to do it as a nation. It is time. Congressman, as you know, that argument has a lot of resonance with lots and lots of Democrats, lots of progressives. Hillary Clinton's position and the position of many, many people around her was that in a general election, a progressive, liberal, maybe socialist policy like that can't win. Too easy to vilify stick with the Affordable Care Act, that this litmus test that you're talking about won't win a general election and the future of the party has to win the big races. Well, I'm grateful for the Affordable Care Act. I'm honored that I voted for it. But I tell you this, it would be better if we had a public option in it. Americans are ready to to take the next step, in my opinion. Whenever I go talk about this in my district, it's wildly popular. People believe in it, right? Even in Minnesota, where we have one of the lowest uninsured rates in the country, even before the Affordable Care Act, people are ready to step up and and move forward on this. So, Congressman, let's talk about how the party has this debate and other ones like it. Because as I mentioned, Bernie Sanders reintroduced this bill. He's done it year after year. That's not new. What does it mean for the future of the party to have Bernie Sanders continuing to have such a heavy influence, such a heavy pull on the Democratic Party from the outside of the party? I think it's a great thing. But I mean, I challenge this idea that Bernie is outside of the party. He's technically an independent, but he has helped lead Democratic Senators Outreach Program. He has been trusted with that position by Chuck Schumer. And, you know, he supports Democratic politicians all the time, including me and many others. So this idea that he's somehow not one of us, I think, is a very short sighted perspective to take. Do you think it's critical in future primaries that the Democrats avoid the kind of fight they had over delegates and superdelegates and and the type of primary that you had in 2016? 
I think we should set up rules that encourage people to be involved. I don't think the Democratic Party should ever appear like an exclusive club that you have to have long, long term involvement with in order to participate. Now, I know that for some people, they would fear that, you know, Republicans might, you know, come in and somehow muck up the primary outcomes. I think that if anyone could prove to me that that has ever really happened, I'd love to have the conversation. And I think that ought to be part of the debate. And if it's a real thing, then we should figure out how to deal with that. But if there is a bias in the rules, it should favor openness. Well, Congressman, I want to talk a little bit more about party polarization. Your party is moving to the left, and you talked about the importance of a real progressive economic household message for Democrats in the future. How can you keep the Joe Manchins of the world winning in West Virginia or the Heidi Heidkamps of the world winning in North Dakota, pretty conservative places where Democrats do not do well, uh, while pursuing the progressive agenda that, that you seem to be advocating? By getting involved with people on the ground, at the doors, in the VFW halls, in the union halls, in the church basements. I mean, I think it's important to to note that in 2014, the last midterm, voter turnout was only 36 percent. There's a lot of places where turnout is very low. And so I think what Democrats need to do is really get back involved in a massive way with the American people. And that means not just television ads, not just mailers, not just polls, but really make the party a palpable reality in the lives of people. What I mean is a lot of canvassing, a lot of community meetings. The Democratic Party should be there to try to help people through their toughest times. We should be there when the floods happen and the fires happen and the hurricanes happen. We should be there to help feed the homeless. We should be there to help seniors. But we need to really engage volunteers on a massive new level so that, one, we're hearing from folks so we don't have to guess what they want. We don't need a poll because we already know. We're, we were at the meeting. Secondly, you know, we need a party that is willing to fight. You know, I'm going to tell you, people stop me and say, what's the Democratic Party message? Well, I'm like, you know who came up with Social Security? Yeah, the Democrats. You know who passed the 1965 Voting Rights Act? Oh, yeah, that's the Democrats. And you know who passed the Affordable Care Act? Oh, that's Democrats, too. Yes. Yeah, so what do you mean? What's our message? I mean, what, I mean, what's our message? What are we willing to pick a fight over? You know, and that that is what message really is. You know, it's relationship. It is policy. But it also is follow through. It is the idea that we're willing to throw down for what we believe in. You know, you asked an important question about some folks who are considered politically conservative on social issues. At the end of the day, if we talk strong economics, we solve a lot of social issues. Why? Because so many people who are from historically marginalized groups suffer that marginalization economically. Talk about low-income African-American moms who may have faced massive incarceration in some of the communities they represent. Well, have you thought about what prison phone rates are just to call your loved one who's incarcerated? Or has anybody really delved into the economics of being trans? Just trying to get a job, trying to get rent. I mean, if you want to know who really got socked hard in the, in the 2008 financial crisis, ask a former black homeowner. They got punched harder than anyone. I mean, these issues are key. So it's not really true that these issues are separated because so many people who come from historically marginalized groups 
suffer that marginalization economically. Uh, Congressman, talk to me about how you think about the future of politics in this country. I mean, you talk about a progressive economic message for Democrats, of course. Republicans, as you know, have a large part of their party identity uh, in really vilifying Democrats and liberals and, and anyone who's not in the conservative fold. Is there any cooperation on any of these issues in our future? You seem to really be talking about the places where progressives and Democrats uh, can get the fight on, not in finding ways to really get them done in government. That doesn't really seem possible. Well, I, I don't agree. I think that what I'm talking about, there's a lot of broad agreement on across the American spectrum. In my opinion, the Republican voting base and the Republicans in office have a great system between them. And if you doubt that, just look at uh, the Trump election. Guess what? Republicans like Social Security. Republicans believe in public investment and infrastructure. And Republicans uh, believe uh, that we need to have a fair trade model and a model that lifts up labor standards around the world, not creates more of a race to the bottom. So look, man, I think that regular Democrats and regular Republicans agree on much more than you know we give them credit for. Uh, I think the problem is what has happened in our country is that over the since Reagan really we cut taxes for the richest people and we push deregulation uh, that has allowed wealthy corporations and individuals to amass vast sums of money which they then use to buy political influence and that has created a situation where people feel dramatically uh, alienated and they don't feel their government's responsive to them. And so the answer is clearly re-engagement on a massive scale, where we're really having Democratic activists on the doorstep of Americans all over this country, and we are fighting for a program that's going to make their lives better. Congressman Keith Ellison, I'm going to let you go. I can't let you go, as you know, without the prediction. How many House seats are you going to take back 2018? At least 24. Enough to win it? Majority. Yeah. That's Congressman Keith Ellison of Minneapolis, Minnesota, deputy chair of the Democratic National Committee. Part of his job is to predict a Democratic takeover of the House in 2018. We'll see if he and the Democrats get there. Congressman, thanks so much. Thank you.